Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This welcome is Paradox, everybody. and I'm Josh. I am Jimmy. And we are excited to have Allie Worthington on the show. Allie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Allie is an author. She's a speaker as well as a business coach. She helps folks all over the country, I'm assuming possibly also the world, start as well as grow their business. Her first book was Breaking Busy. Her latest book that comes out the end of this month, correct, January? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is Fierce Faith. Allie, tell us about Fierce Faith. Fierce Faith is a manual on overcoming fear, anxiety, and worry. I wanted it to be almost like a, a cookbook. So you can, whatever fear you're, you're struggling with at the time, because we all have so many, um, you could pull it off the shelf and go, um, I'm struggling with fear of betrayal, or I'm struggling that I'm not going to measure up or that the bottom's going to fall out in the future. What do I do? Because for me, I had heard sermon after sermon that we were supposed to have more faith and less fear, but I was still walking around most of the time saying, well, I'm still afraid. And so the reason, the real impetus for the book was I realized myself, and a lot of people were probably walking around going, am I doing something wrong? Because sure. I know perfect love casts out fear, but I'm still afraid. And I wanted to help people kind of have a, a battle plan, so to speak, of exactly what to do with practical tools when we feel afraid. I love it. In your book, you, um, <laughs> you talk about sitting in the parking lot of Target, and then you have this, 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 this unexpected, like this emotional breakdown while you're in the, the parking lot of Target. and I know many people, myself included, can relate to that because every time I see my wife walk into Target, <laughs> I have an emotional breakdown. You can't leave uh, without spending $75. Intense fear <laughs> pulses through. But you said after talking with your, you know, with friends, you, you were going with what happened. It kind of came back around to this realization that you, you were possessing this all-encompassing fear. How did you actually come to that realization? Well, for me, I think I just lived on with this idea that we all carried this massive weight of fear and worry and anxiety on our shoulders. So for me, I had convinced myself that I, I wasn't living bound by fear, that the way I was living is just how everybody lives. Like there wasn't any, there wasn't an alternative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what happened that day in the Target parking lot is I was on my way to a volunteer meeting you know, I got my, my coffee at Starbucks, was running over to Target to give them my, my annual or my weekly dues of $75. And the song No Longer Slaves came on. And I had, I had listened to it. I'd sang it a million times. And I sang it in my car that day and broke down crying. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea why I was crying. I thought, well, maybe I'm just kind of burnt out and stressed. I don't know what's going on. And as I told my friend about it, she said, Allie, you're so bound up by fear these days. Like, that's exactly why you broke down in the car. And I had to, you know, take a look at my life and go, 
am I, is there a better way to live? Like, can I get out from underneath this? And that, that's what started this whole journey. I mean, do you think a lot of people are living just being in, in encompassed in fear and don't know it like you are? Yeah. I don't think that people realize that, that there's a way out. And like I said, like, you know, we, we know from a spiritual perspective that we're not supposed to fear. And then we almost heap extra self-condemnation on ourselves and beat ourselves up because we're still afraid. Kind yeah, of we, sh- fear yeah. turning into shame. We see that in our offices all the time that, you know, for a Christian, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So not only am I depressed, but I must really suck at being a Christian, too, because I shouldn't be. I feel this anxiety. Wow, fear is the opposite of faith. I must also be a lousy Christian because I'm feeling this. Exactly. And, and I didn't want a whole generation of men and women walking around and kind of thinking, well, if I love Jesus more, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anxious. Because that, I believe, is just a tool of the enemy who comes in to, to make us even more miserable, but to, to keep us disconnected from God. But when it comes to fear, it is a little, it is a little weird that, I don't know, whether, you know, it, our, we're admonished not to fear. I don't, it's somewhere close to one billion times in the <laughs> yeah, Bible. Yeah, 121 times in the New Testament. <laughs> and just, con- it, it's not like I didn't know that, Allie. Yeah, she just scoreboarded I, you. I knew that. <laughs> I just didn't want to, you know, show off. <laughs> but it, but it's, it, it's, it's this constant theme of, you know, the Old and the New Testament. And yet, to your point, so many of us struggle with that. Why do you think that is? And do you think we're being admonished all the time because God knew full well we were going to struggle with fear? I think so. I I used to read it as fear not. Like, what's wrong with you? You you know, you're so weak, you're afraid. And now I read it all through the lens of fear not, it's going to be okay. I know things are scary, and I'm telling you all the time to fear not mm-hmm. because it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And because I think God and His and his mercy and his graciousness knew that we needed to read it over and over and over, like you said, a billion ways, all throughout Scripture. So less of a command and more of an empathic statement. Absolutely. The title of your book being Fierce Faith, and then you said it's a step-by-step manual for women to battle fear, which says, well, hey, whoa, how about me? Uh, <laughs> I know I have, you know, a Y chromosome, but still, I struggle with fear, too. Do I've you taken think a lot of women- flack for it. <laughs> do you do you believe that women actually are burdened with more fear and anxiety than the average guy? Well, let me let me talk about how I target it to women first because here's the thing. What I learned from my first book Breaking Busy is the husbands because for me being a business coach, I'm super practical, so my audience was kind of half men, half women. And what I learned from Breaking Busy is the husbands all read it. And so for Fierce Faith, it was really fun. I woke up and looked at Twitter one morning, and the first review that I ever received for this book was from a man who said, I'm not sure why I read this, but th- this was fantastic. So, yes, it's, it's marketed to women, but that's because I know the women are going to give it to their men. Um, and I don't even remember what the question was. I know. Do women struggle more? I think it's, it's different, and y'all are the experts to talk about this, but there's an old saying that I found when I researched it that, Women internalize fear, anxiety, and worry, and men externalize. So women are more prone to to loneliness and withdrawing from their relationships and depression, whereas men are more prone to deal with fear and anxiety through anger or through substance abuse. Is that correct in your experience? 
Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. So they're not burdened more. It's just they're burdened differently. Yeah, we just have different expressions of it. And I think some of that's because it's what's more socially acceptable for men and women. You know, if if a woman's running around angry, yelling at everybody, that's just even more problem. So I think it's kind of like cultural norms is how we express it. How big, you know, we have this built-in community, hopefully, you know, if we're doing marriage correctly, within a marriage, uh, to trying to pursue just being more Christ-like, both struggling with fear, worry, anxiety. How can spouses talk about kind of they experience them differently? How can they help each other experience less worry and fear? So that's a great question. In my own marriage, it seems like when one of us is kind of freaking out and dealing with, you know, anxiety or a big fear, the other one's okay. You know, so we kind of balance each other out. Um, I have found, at least for us, when when one of us is going through something and goes to the other and says, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, in our culture, we always say that we're freaked out about something or we're stressed out when really that means we're afraid. So if I go to my husband and say, I'm really freaked out about X, Y, and Z, sometimes the best thing he can do for me and vice versa is just listen empathetically and then not feed into it. Even when we're also afraid to kind of when, when the other person needs us, needs the other person to be strong, to kind of pretend to be strong, at least in that moment. And then we go, we kind of seesaw back and forth um, because generally what we're afraid of or what we're anxious about, it's either probably not going to happen, or even if it happens, we don't have any control to stop it. So the best thing we can do is kind of not down spiral together, but be strong when the other one needs needs us to be strong. I love it that you um, you asked this question about about your kids because so much of what we do here is 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 working with parents, and so much of our speaking and all that stuff kind of centers around parenting. You asked the question, well, what if the kids aren't okay? Yes, I mean you sort of confront every parent's greatest nightmare. Well, well okay, well, what if that? happens. Now you're a mother of five boys. God bless you. Thank you. I need it. <laughs> what are your greatest fears when you think about your four boys growing up? Well, abs- it has been absolutely through their whole lives that that one of them would pass away in a car accident because when mm. I was almost 3, I lost my father in a car accident. My my husband just 10 years ago lost his father in a car accident. So mm. for me, I know my trigger where I'm going to be afraid is car accidents. So when my first son, who's now 19, when he was learning to drive on his own, you can only imagine that level of fear. Mm-hmm. And so we all have, you know, a, a million fears swirling around about our kids. It's like a, a parenting is a marathon of fear. But for me, my trigger was definitely driving. So how have you learned, the mom of five, how have you learned to combat those fears? It's going to sound very morbid. But I played it out to worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, my oldest son goes to the movies and he never makes it home. And I I had to say, will I survive? Yes. You know, will will he be in heaven? Yes. Is is the family going to survive? Yes. Can I forgive myself for allowing him to go to the movies? Yes. And so once I played out the worst possible scenario... I was able to do this exercise I talk about in the book called Truth Talk, where I can identify 
what fears are rational, what fears are irrational, and kind of talk myself off the ledge. And it allows me to regain a little bit of control in a scary situation. Recording our Paradox podcast is a labor of love. We love exploring topics important to Christian families. We love bringing you interviews with authors, musicians, and podcasters that are shaping our world. Also, Jim loves to hear himself talk. See, I've been told that my voice is mellifluous. You have no clue what that means, do you? No. We also love making thousands of dollars. I know I do, if not you, Josh. I mean, we are, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but on this podcast, we are literally taking baths in $100. Jimbo, Jimbo we, we're not making any money. And actually, as of right now, we're behind $2,500, so we're actually losing our shirts. But see, see, that's a negative confession. You seem to think that that's a problem. It's not a problem, my friend, because we have a Patreon account. Please consider supporting us on patreon.com backslash paradox. If you think the show has helped your family, if you believe in what we're doing, you can make a one-time contribution or set up a subscription. With your help, we can continue to bring healing to Christian families. That's what I call mellifry, mellifo. The word you're looking for is mellifluous. I deal with uh, clients all the time, and considering worst-case scenario is huge. It's so invaluably important to know that, for me, three Fs of resiliency, faith, family, and friends, that even if the 1% happens, that you're going to be okay. We don't don't believe that, but we're absolutely going to be okay. Yeah, and just as a, a practical thing that I use... My oldest son's so gracious. He lets me have an app on his phone, even though he's two and a half hours away in college. So I can log on and he can see where I am and I can see where he is. And I can log on and I just know he isn't on the side of the road somewhere. Mm. And it it makes me not text him or be, you know, a hovering mom. But I just, I know, I know he's okay at college. So he's, he's very nice to, to play along with that. I think you're, you're right. So, so many parents struggle with fear. If it's just, if there was just a, a book about parents being fearless. I'm trying to think if there was... Allie, he tries to plug his book no. often in the show. No, I, don't. I, I, I like it. I like it. It's, that's, that's masterful subtlety. Tell me about this book. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me about this book. <laughs> Why I will. All right. Stop it. He's uh, shameless. So your first book was Breaking Busy, and don't think we didn't see what you did there. I didn't get the humor because I just would never, I have a moral conviction about television shows that would use any type of profanity, but. Well, um, can I, okay. Can I just tell you, nothing makes me happier than when sweet little old ladies come up to me after I've spoken somewhere at a women's conference or at church and they'll go, honey, Breaking Bad changed my life. And I'll say, oh, I'm so glad to hear it. (laughs) And I never say a word. I just bless them and send them on their way. But, oh, it makes me giggle. So, you know, that book, your first book, dealt with that old thing, you know, hey, if if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. So do you feel like this being overscheduled, overbooked, too busy, the way our culture really pressures our families, how does that overscheduling play into parental fear? Oh, well... I talk about in in this one, there's there's five main ways that that we kind of numb uncomfortable feelings. Um, I call them the five bad Bs because if with alliteration, everyone can remember, right? Yep. And the first one is busyness. 
So if we are afraid, if we're anxious, we're going to overschedule, we're going to stay busy, we're going to focus in on the, all the little small things so we don't have to confront what makes us afraid. I mean, I've, it's been interesting for me dealing with my fear of my oldest going to school and his roommate's mom's fear. So she combats the fear by being kind of over-involved in their lives as their college students, whereas I've kind of forced myself to step back. And even though I'm tracking where he is, I'm not micromanaging day to day. But we've realized that we're both equally afraid. It's just coming out in different ways. So we talk a little bit about parenting and parental fear. And obviously, like you just mentioned, our kids have their own sets of fears. One of these kind of in the social media driven world, a lot of kids struggle with FOMO. Speak for a second on... Excuse me. If you're over 40, you have no idea what FOMO is. I got to say over 50. Fear of missing out Mm -hmm. is FOMO. So speak to how can parents just generally speaking, but also specifically with fear of missing out, how can we help our kids work through fear and anxiety? I think even before we get into how we can help our kids deal with FOMO, I think it's important for us to recognize it in our own lives because Mm. thanks to Instagram and Facebook and everything else, we are inundated with images of everything everyone else is doing all the time. Every great dinner is shared, every outing, people are posing and they look beautiful. People, you know, they're they're staging parties to take pictures and share. I mean, we all we all do it. It's just the nature of the world we live in now. And what happens is we see our friends out to lunch and we weren't invited. We see all of our child's friends out doing something and we know our child wasn't invited right this is this is going on every single day and one thing that people don't talk about a lot is rejection that comes through social media like just because mm-hmm. we're not forcefully um, rejected by somebody when we get left out and then what what we're left out of is publicized for the world to see and made to look like the most amazing thing ever it's devastating for us, just like it's devastating for our kids. Hmm. So I think all the first step is everyone being super honest about it. And y'all know more about this than I do, but I was uh, researching and read a story where, um, or read some research that the pain of rejection fires the same places in our brain as when we get physically hurt. So when all of our friends are out doing something without us, or all of our children's friends are doing something and our child wasn't involved, the same pain in our, in our minds, it feels like the same pain as a literal punch in the gut. Yes. And when we can be honest about what it does to us and be honest about what the triggers are, I think that's the first step to getting really healthy with our kids. And I mean, I've told my, my teenage boys, there's certain times I don't feel like I have the emotional bandwidth to even go on Facebook. Like if I'm having a bad day and the dog has thrown up on the rug, I do not need to be looking at everybody's vacation pictures from France. Yep. Like it's just not what I need. (laughs) (laughs) Allie, incredible words. We know that you want more information about her and you can go to her website, AllieWorthington.com. We didn't even get to her business coaching. And this is kind of just her side gig, you know, the main gig being the business coaching. She's incredible at that as well. So definitely check out her website. And before we we let you go, I wanted to say, I saw on your website, you had the 
kind of as seen on Good Morning America, the Today Show. And I just wanted to, we'll send you a paradox emblem that you can post that up there too. I would be so honored. That's I'm just going to move Today Show right <laughs> off there. Yes, and yes, move the Today Show. And we were going to guarantee you this would be a Matt Lauer free interview. Okay, Jimbo, and too soon. You need it. We need to do a show. Show you wouldn't be afraid. Is what I'm saying. Too That's soon. right. Too, too soon. soon. <laughs> Allie, thank you so much. Have a wonderful rest Allie, of your day. Thank you. Thank you both. It's been great. I don't think you can do. You can't say Matt Lauer anymore. <laughs> It's, a, it's now a cuss word. It's a curse word. Uh, seriously, though, and my joke, so I, we had to pause the interview and no one heard. She had made, uh, she had called a typical response to fear, the five bad bees. And I wanted to say, man, I've known some bad bees in my day. Oh, no. I'm glad you didn't say that. I held back. Allie was fantastic. Yeah, she really was. Fear and anxiety definitely experienced by both genders. I think whether it's, and we talk about the four horsemen of the marriage apocalypse, you know, the finances and sex, and a lot of that comes down to fear and worry mm -hmm. within the marriage. And without knowing it, and I kind of hate it because we paid so much money to get educated, that is one of the main, most effective ways of handling irrational anxiety is painting the worst case scenario. Okay, well, what if? You know, that's what we do. That's what, that's, that's what anxiety is. It's what ifing ourselves to death. What if he, what if they, what if she, what if I? And if you take the worst case scenario, just play it out in your head. What if the worst thing you could imagine happened, would you still be breathing? Would you get up? Would you, what, what would that look like? Because your, your brain will take this anxiety and just make it into this mythical, massive monster that, that you can't, people all the time will say, well, I just, I could not stand it if this happened. Well, what do you mean you couldn't stand it? What are you going to do? Pass out and fall over? Yes, of course you can handle it. So her advice there, I'm a little worried that that came from someone with uh, no psychotherapeutic education and makes me feel a little anxious. Why? Because she could do our job mm -hmm. and she didn't need yeah, the degrees? Yeah, sort of, kind of. Well, it's because she's brilliant, one. Okay, that would uh, do And two, wrote a book on fear. Um, so, and I also loved, obviously, her piece about parenting, our kids have never lived life before. And so when they have their 12-year-old anxieties, they actually literally don't have enough experiences in life built up to know that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. We have to connect the dots for them. Yeah. I love when Charlie Strong was at UT as the coach. I love Charlie Strong. Did not love how we lost all the time, but love Charlie Strong. And I remember one time he was, he said, I tell these boys all the time, I've been 18. You've never been 52. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. You know, the parent sets the emotional tone of the home. They need to be able to look up and see you're okay. Well, if you're okay, because I, I tell the story about my dad. We, we were on the, a lake and a storm came up and, and he told me to get under the, you know, kind of where the, the driving thing was. And the, the waves were crashing over the side. And I thought we were going to die until I heard my dad laughing hysterically. And water was hitting him in the face when he was just, yeah, he was having, uh, oh, okay. I thought we were about to die, but apparently we're not. So we set the emotional tone. And so when our children see that we're not freaked out, then they tend not to freak out, which then is impetus for us not to freak out. Yep. Which is exactly what Allie describes perfectly, not only in the book, but also here on the show. AllieWorthington.com. Definitely go check her out, her other resources, as well as her business coaching. 
If you want more information about this episode and any links to anything that we talked about, paradoxpodcast.com. You can go to the episode tab and then find Allie's episode. And, you know, they may be batching Fearless Parenting in this book on Amazon. We, I don't know, maybe when y'all go to look for I Fearless Parenting. I thought you were Parenting. actually going to talk about Fearless Parenting. I felt bad then. Yeah, I was you going should to. have. I was going to go into Allie, sweetheart, there was a book. None of this would have happened if you had just read my book. So ParadoxPodcast.com. You can also follow the show as well as us individually on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram there at ParadoxPodcast.com as well. Have a good rest of your day. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to TherapyWithBilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to JulieLylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to ParadoxPodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. If you're working for God, how can it be wrong? That's the, that's the, the lure. That's the Satan will come clothed as an angel of light. If you're going to sponsor a thing, if you're going to work the soup kitchen, if you're going to teach a class, if you're going to lead in, if you're going to be an elder or a deacon or whatever, how can that ever be wrong? Because what you're doing is for Jesus.